I'm turning to the word of God, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all a grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. If you have your Bibles, uh, paper Bibles, you can underline this or make a note if you have electronic devices. But I want to emphasize three phrases. Underline them in your Bibles or circle them or in some way make a notation on your phones, your iPads or whatever. I want you to see these three phrases. Notice this. God is able to make, and here's the first phrase, all grace and then all sufficiency. In all things. Those three phrases. The Greek word for grace. Where it says all grace is charis. And it means gift. In other words God is able. To give you gifts of grace. That will make. You sufficient in all things. So that you will be able to have an abundance. For every good work. That is extraordinary. In Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. The B clause. A verse we're all familiar with, not by might, nor by power. Come on, say it with me. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What that verse is saying is that God is the great game changer. He levels the playing field when he shows up. And then in 1 Samuel 7 and 12, one more verse, and then we're going to pray. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shane. And called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. This week, if you subscribe to the daily devotional that I write each day, that you can subscribe to at no cost, all of us go to uh, devotions together that are members of this church family. And we have right now, I think, like 1,700 and some odd families that have subscribed you will remember that the song that I included in one of the daily devotionals this week, what was it, Thursday maybe or Wednesday, I have to go back and look, was a song from South Africa called Ebenezer. And I love worshiping with the African people in Africa because so many of them struggle in life. They don't have near the privileges that many of us have. But man, when they get to church... And they're singing this song, Ebenezer. And if you listen to it, how many of y'all listened to that song this week? Did any, any of you, a number of you did? You ought to start your day with us in devotions. It put a smile on my face the entire day. I want us to pray because that word has meaning that I'm going to refer to this morning. Father, would you please speak to us? Open your word to our understanding. Let the principles of your word cause our lives to be illuminated, cause our minds to be, as it were, inspired. Give us revelation and insight that can change us forever because that's what your word does and it's always for the better. In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted and said, Amen. I'm speaking this morning from Momentum Multipliers, part two. I spoke from the first part of this message last week. We are finishing the series on momentum today. I'll begin a new series next Sunday. And I hope that this series has been a blessing to everyone. Amen. Thank you. 
Amen. As a pastor, I've always felt that I, if I really want to help people, there are two things that I've got to do. Number one, I've got to help you do everything you possibly can to both recognize and take advantages of and prepare, I should say, for the opportunities that will come your way. But the second thing is to help you when you come to the end of your ability to then learn to lean on God and trust him to do what you cannot do. Don't sit there, get mad at somebody else, blame anybody else. Don't wait for somebody to come pick you up and carry you to the next level. Do everything you can, but once you've done everything you can, Lean on God. And the reason that I say that is because God usually doesn't step in and take over until we come to the end of ourselves. God takes over, not where you end, but he takes over, or rather not where you stop, but he takes over where you end. There's a big difference in the two. Don't just stop. And say, okay, God, you can, you can step in now, tag me and take over at this point. No, you're going to have to come to the end of yourself. And that's where the supernatural begins to occur. The good news is, is that when God takes over, the impossible literally becomes possible. That's why the scripture says, it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. And that's the Lord that is saying that. Last week, I talked to you about force multipliers. Force multipliers cause an exponential increase in effectiveness. Many people are content to just sit back and drift through life. They're carried in and out on whatever the prevailing tide may be, whatever the current trend is, whatever the direction the society they are part of is taking or the culture. They don't really push in one direction or another. And uh, they can sit, for example, and watch TV all day. They can watch soap operas if they still have those things. And it's been a long, long time since I turned on a TV. And even before then, uh, I wasn't current on what shows and programs were on. I usually just watch the news. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watching anything else. In fact, probably the news is worse for you than anything. But the truth of the matter is, is that many people can come in after working all day, park in front of a TV, watch the news, watch the game, watch drama, watch their their favorite sitcom, and it it goes on and on and on. That is one of the most non-productive lives that you can possibly live. The only thing that I can think, and I'm not antagonizing you, the only thing that I can think that's worse than that is spending hours on social media. And you notice how quiet it got? That's called a, uh-oh, he's talking to me moment. That's what that that is right there. Amen. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I really am not. This is a message that is a word for those who want more. If you're content to just live the life I just described, go ahead. But there's some people that want more out of life than that. And you see, the real tragedy in life is not... To fail because everybody fails once in a while. The real tragedy is to not even try. 
Amen. And it isn't to not succeed in reaching your dreams. The real tragedy in life is to not even have any dreams that you're reaching for. And there's some people that don't have any dreams. Amen. I pointed out that we actually use force multipliers daily. All of us do. We often don't recognize that's what those are. I gave you a number of examples. Let me give you a few more. We've been using one this entire service that makes it possible for you to hear both the worship team, the musicians, and even me speak. In a way that you would probably not hear with the same degree of clarity if it were not for this force multiplier. That's the sound system. That thing right there. You can hear from the stack of speakers overhead and that that booth back there that's almost like mission control at NASA. I mean, that's a force multiplier. It takes the sounds up here, amplifies them so that they can be better understood where you are. Can you imagine the old days when George Whitfield would preach to 30,000 people without a sound system? That's unbelievable. Or Charles Spurgeon would preach in the Metropolitan Tabernacle to 5,000 seats without a sound system. Or John Wesley or some of the others. Another force multiplier that we use often is a computer. And they're amazing. Computers were used to help Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin land on the moon. They never could have done that without computers. There were too many complicated uh, equations that had to be solved. And the average computer today that, that we use is altogether different than what they use. The ones they use could do about 40,000 instructions per second. They can handle about 40,000. The ones that we use now, the average laptop can handle about 10 billion instructions per second. And even if you don't have a computer on your desk at home, the average iPhone is about 100,000 times the computing power that the computers that NASA used to put man on the moon consisted of. And so let me give you another example of a force multiplier. Now, I'm older than many of you and some of you ladies in this house. You're going to think this is scandalous. In fact, if this was a part of your job description today, there'd be a divorce before the week was over. Amen. But back in the day, they didn't have washers and dryers. Anybody remember rub boards? Anybody here ever see one? Could I see a hand? Oh yeah, a number of you did. So I'm not such an old guy after all. My grandmother raised me out in the country and on wash day, y'all remember wash day? It was a wash day. She started early in the morning, heated the water over the fire, built a fire, heated water. And then she got that rub board and she would scrub those clothes like this. And then she would rinse them out and put them through the ringer. Y'all remember all of that? And hang them up on the clothesline. And when those clothes got dry, they were as stiff as a board. <laughs> Amen. That was the old day days. And and now we've got automatic washers and dryers where you can you can do other things where your clothes are wash, washing. Some of you younger ladies are saying, Mama, that's terrible. You know, I'd never get married if they didn't have washers and dryers. <laughs> Times have changed. Amen. And some of you guys, just to make it um, fair, balance the gender here, you know, a little bit. 
Amen. So I got to be careful. And so things have changed so much. In war, weapons of war are force multipliers. One guy with an automatic weapon can defeat 10 men with sticks easily because his automatic weapon is a force multiplier. It does the work of a number of men. And what's strategic about this and important is that these force multipliers create high leverage points. And so a high leverage point is a place where a small amount of force can cause a big change in a predictable outcome. Big change. High leverage points can be strategic actions or plans that help you achieve so much more with a lot less effort. In the kingdom of God, there are also things you can do that have the potential to bring dramatic changes into a situation and alter its otherwise predictable outcome. And they don't need to be big changes either. Just a small adjustment, just a small tweak can make a huge difference in the outcome. These two things, force multipliers and high strategic or high leverage points actually exist in the spiritual realm just like they do in the natural dimension. The church has spiritual weapons that are force multipliers. Look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 6 beginning for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal of this world but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You see, as believers, we have very powerful weapons at our disposal and those weapons are force multipliers. You see, you need force multipliers because you might not be a match to address or face what's coming against you by yourself, but you can leverage the ability in a force multiplier and it can make a huge change in the predictable outcome. You remember the son of the man that was possessed of a demonic spirit, the boy was, and the disciples tried to cast that demon out without Jesus being there. And here's what happened. They failed. And Jesus shows up, says one word, the demon comes out and the disciples are like, hey, 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 what's going on? We could not cast this demonic spirit out. And Jesus said this. He said, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. You see, you tried to cast it out by yourself. When you fast and pray, you bring me into the situation and I can do what you cannot do. Somebody ought to give God some praise in this house. And so that leads us to conclude that as a believer, you can either fight your battles in the natural or you can use your spiritual weapons. Amen. You can get mad at people. You cannot talk to them for weeks. You can, you can slam your door in somebody's face. You can, you know, give somebody your IQ on the freeway. 
That's not going to change anything. Or you can go to God when you get a bad diagnosis. You can take it to the Lord because he can change everything. You have a choice. Either you face it by yourself when things go wrong or you trust in the help of Jireh who is more than enough. I said he's more than enough. I said he's more than enough. I wish somebody would say it. He is more than enough. What that text shows us is that prayer and fasting is a force multiplier. It can shift burdens too heavy for your shoulders onto the shoulders of the one who's so strong. He can carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. So you either carry it by yourself or you let him carry it for you. Prayer can move God to change the predictable outcome of your circumstance until the outcome is something altogether other than what it would have been. If God had not been involved. In Acts 12, we see that so clearly. King Herod had the apostle John executed. John was the brother of James. He and his brother were the sons of Zebedee that you read about in scripture. And when Herod had John executed, he saw it pleased the Jews. And so he arrested him one day, threw him into prison, had him executed behind bars. And word got out and all the Jewish people were excited. And when Herod saw that it pleased him, that it was a politically a strategic move. Let me just say this. I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. Not every move should be considered from its strategic influential perspective. There's some things that are just right and some things that are wrong. Amen. Ah, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. And that's not slanted at anybody in politics. I'm just saying, Herod was a politician. And he said, oh, good move. I got some followers, you know, got some likes in my, on my, my Facebook page or Instagram or whatever they like you on. And so he said, you know, I think I'll have Peter arrested too. And he had him arrested and thrown into jail. But here's the difference between what happened with John who was executed and Peter who wasn't. John was arrested apparently in the morning, executed the same day. Peter was arrested in the afternoon. So they kept him overnight in prison. And so John, they didn't have time to organize a prayer meeting. There was an email. There wasn't, there weren't mobile phones. There were no computers. The saints couldn't get the word out in time but with Peter they got the word out called a prayer meeting that evening and an angel showed up and caused the jail to be broken open the door swung open hallelujah and Peter walked out amen prayer is a force multiplier Because it brings Jesus into the situation. Miracles occur when you take the time to pray. The impossible becomes possible when you pray. I'm looking across this building and I see people that God has done miracles in their lives because people pray. Jamie, I just glanced at you. God is a miracle worker and prayer changes things. Jamie was sick, went on vacation, ended up with huge kidney stones. Oh my God, it was terrible. He was close to losing his life, but prayer. I I gotta move on here. 
Prayer is not only an incredible force multiplier, it creates a high leverage point. That is, when you pray, <laughs> you don't have to move the situation. You don't have to fix cancer. <laughs> you don't have to change the economy. You don't have to do anything. All you got to do is move the hand of the one that can do all the rest. Hello. So when you pray, you move the hand that moves the world. Amen. When you pray, you move the hands that can shape everything else and make it come in alignment with the prayer you just prayed and the will of God. Stewardship is a force multiplier that creates a high leverage point. Look at this in scripture. Luke 6, 38. Given, it will be given to you. Everybody say to me, would you do that? If you give, it will be given to you. That's an important point. Remember this. It will be given good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. Everybody say my bosom. Would you do that? For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now remember this. Consider the little boy with the five loaves and the two fishes that he gave to Jesus. His hands could not multiply anything, but he put them into the hands of the one who could. And Jesus fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. That's 20 to 25,000 people that were fed with five loaves and two fishes. I'm telling you, when you put them into his hands, when you put matters into the hands of Jesus, he is the force multiplier. When you take it to God in prayer, he can change everything. Hallelujah. And then they took up 12 baskets after that that were left over. Who do you think they gave them to? I've heard people say, oh, well, obviously the apostles because there were 12 of them and 12 baskets. No, they're, they're three days out into the middle of the wilderness here. You know, what do you mean that they gave them to the apostles? That's not who they gave them to. They gave them to the little boy. You give and it shall be given to you. That little boy went from five loaves and two fishes to having an entire chain of fish and chips. Restaurants, amen. He went into the seafood business, hallelujah. God made him an entrepreneur because when you put it into the hands of God, he multiplies it. God will cause you to be blessed, amen. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so shall your borns be filled with plenty and your vat shall overflow with new wine. So here's the deal. You can either be stingy and fearful or you can implement good stewardship practices and watch God bless you. Amen. I won't tell you why I give. I won't tell you. You see, I don't give because it's the law. I don't give because the scripture teaches me to. Even though it does. Those are not the reasons I give. I give because I love God and I have learned that when I put it in his hands, he does with it what I cannot do. He will open. Oh, let me just read it. Malachi 3 verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open, who will open? I will not open. Jehovah Jireh will open. Open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Oh my God. 
Now, Lord, you're going to do all that for me? Yeah, but I'm not done yet. Not done yet. Hang on, hang on. Don't walk off yet. I will also rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And that's not all. You walking off and I'm not done yet. Hey, come back here. I got something else to tell you. I'm going to make it so that all nations call you blessed. Everybody's going to look at you and say, you're walking in something that I would like to have. You see, good stewardship causes God to enter into your finances. I think of another force multiplier. Education is one of the best force multipliers that I know of. It also creates a high leverage point. Listen, it can give you a great advantage in life Wisdom is more powerful than a standing army, as we're about to see in a moment. Or as Warren Buffett famously stated, the more you learn, the more you earn. You ought to write that down. You need to remember that as long as you live. The more you learn, the more you will earn. Education matters. Many of you know Mark and Penny Handy. Penny lost her mom this week. Precious child of God. That went home to be with the Lord. Mark and I were talking this week. Do you know that some years ago I was preaching. I mentioned education and she was challenged. Mark was challenged. And they talked it over and she decided to go back to school. If you don't know Mark and Penny Handy, they're an incredible couple and family. And they're part of our leadership team here at at Inspire. Mark often plays bass in some of our services. And they've got four boys. I mean, boys. Not girls and boys, not girls, boys, B-O-Y-S, boys. Reason I mention that, if you are raising children, you know what, boys. Mean in today's world. And they don't have one, they don't have two, they don't have three, they have four of them. And those kids are incredible. I love them to death. They're musicians. They play in our youth group. They come into the auditorium and play on occasion. You've heard them. When you see the youth band, you're looking at some of the handiest children up here. They're just awesome. And they do an incredible job. But Penny decided to go back to school and she came and talked to me. And you know what she said? Pastor, I feel like I want to go back and get a degree in law. And I said, Penny, you go, girl, go for it. She had the support of her husband. Now, listen. Education is a force multiplier. She is going to finish her degree in just one year. She's on the dean's list. It's going to change the trajectory of their lives. Hello, somebody. I'm talking about changing your life. Education will change your life. Possessing Good leadership skills is another force multiplier that gives you a high leverage point. In fact, if you want to be serious, the ultimate high leverage point is, or the ultimate force multiplier, I should say it like that, that is the maximum, maximum, as it were, high leverage point that you can create in somebody's life is what a leader educates, empowers, and then causes his people to experience promotion and elevation. I say that because I know a lot of leaders who don't do that. A lot of leaders lead from a self-empowerment perspective. How am I looking
You know, that they are always concerned about how they appear. A real leader is more concerned about you being promoted and elevated than he is or she is about their position. How many of you have ever worked for a supervisor that didn't care about you? They just cared about how they looked. Don't raise your hand. He might be in the building right now. Or she might be. When you lead from the perspective of trying to empower people and promote them and see they get elevated, it is the ultimate force multiplier and it is the ultimate high leverage point in people's lives. Amen. You remember last Sunday? I talked about it. We have graduated 3,565 students from our Bible colleges in Africa. How long do you think it would take for me to build the churches they're building over there? I don't have enough lifetimes. I couldn't do it in 10 lifetimes. I couldn't do it in 20. I couldn't do it in 100. They are blowing up over there. Why? Because you invested in their spiritual development and education. Give yourself an applause right now. Amen. Inspired church made a difference. But that's not even what I've really come to tell you and I'm just about done. What I've really come to share with you today is that the greatest force multiplier that has ever existed is God. There's nobody like him. Philippians 4.13, I can do. I didn't hear you. Say it loud. Shout it out. I can do. All things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. His spirit creates high leverage points that make you unstoppable in your assignment. Or to quote Isaiah 10, 27, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. That's why David could not fail when he faced Goliath. Goliath came out there swinging his sword and said, I'm going to, I'm going to cut you to pieces, boy. And David said, you come against me with sword and shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. I've got a force multiplier. Hallelujah. This is why Romans chapter 3 verse 31, chapter 8 verse 31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? I'm nearing the end of my message, but now I want us to go to the third verse. That I gave you when I read my text. Israel had suffered a series of humiliating defeats at the hands of various armies. And now it was currently trampled under the, the feet of the Philistines. They were being abused and treated badly. And the Philistines ruled over them for a full 21 years. And the Bible says the people struggled and they mourned for the Lord. That's what it says. They mourned for the Lord. They'd gotten out of the will of God and they mourned. Oh God, oh God, we need you in our lives. All of this that's happening is the result of our poor choices and decisions. And in 1 Samuel 7 and 3, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, if you will return to the Lord with all of your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asteroids from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord. Oh, did you catch that? Prepare your hearts for the Lord. God doesn't just show up. You got to prepare your heart for the Lord and serve him only 
And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So verse 6 says, they fasted and prayed. That's what preparing your heart for the Lord is. It's seeking God. It's mourning the loss of God in your life. It's needing more of God, but recognizing that need of God. Because we all need more of the Lord, but we don't always recognize it, do we? And the Bible said, while they were there mourning before the Lord, that Samuel began to offer a lamb as a sacrifice, which foreshadowed and was a type of the coming lamb of God in the New Testament that would be offered for our sins. And while he's offering the sacrifice, the Philistines showed up. And that's always when the enemy comes. Anytime you decide, I'm going to do something right, I'm going to get a hold of God, I'm going to consecrate, I'm going to move in the right direction, I'm going to make a decision to be in church, I'm going to honor the word of God and his teachings in my life. Here comes the enemy. Philistines always show up then. That's when they come. They come crawling out of the woodwork. And this is what the Bible said. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near To battle against Israel. Do you know they didn't even have weapons to defend themselves with? But the Lord, it says, everybody say those three words, but the Lord. Shout it out, but the Lord. I can't hear you, but the Lord. The scripture says, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. Did you get that? But the Lord. In other words, it is implied that this story would have turned out differently if God had not been there to change the outcome. Amen. But even then... When I was reading it, and this is why I'm preaching this today. As I was studying this in my personal devotions, I looked at this and I was, I was stunned. The scripture said that the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines and so confused them that they were overcome. Now, wait a minute. Thunder overcame them? Why didn't it have the same effect on Israel? If it was thunder. So I got my strongs out. And I looked up the original Hebrew word. And do you know what the Hebrew word says? Where it said they were confused by the thunder. The Hebrew word actually means crushed. Now I'm more confused. Because how does thunder crush anybody? Amen. Obviously we're now talking about thunder that isn't normal thunder. And a South Texas thunderstorm. It's got to be something different from that. And when I looked at the Hebrew word for thunder, my jaw fell open. Because the Hebrew word for thunder actually in this text means the voice. The voice of the Lord thundered and it crushed Israel. That stunned me. They heard the voice of the Lord speak loudly and it terrified the enemy. That's why Israel was not crushed. Because Israel knew about the voice. That was the voice that spoke on Sinai. 
In fact, when you read the Bible, there are a number of places in Scripture where where when it refers to the voice of God, it calls it the voice of thunder. Mount Sinai, Exodus 20.18, Psalmist David, Psalms 29.3, and also in the New Testament, John chapter 12, the Bible said those that were standing there when the Father spoke and said, this is my beloved Son, hear him. Some said, thunder, thunder. You see, it wasn't normal thunder. Whenever Israel sought God and the enemy came against them, God spoke and it petrified and crushed the enemy. And all you need is one word from God and it will change everything about your situation. I'm talking to somebody right now. God's about to release a word in your situation. Give God some praise in this house. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Oh, y'all going to have to excuse me. Y'all sit there if y'all want to, but I'm going to have church because I feel the presence of God in this room. Hallelujah, hallelujah. One word from God will change your situation. And I'm talking to somebody in this building. You've lived through what I'm talking about. You've been in some situations had it not been for the Lord who showed up. It would not have turned out the way that it turned out. I'm talking to somebody. You've been in a situation that if it had gone to its predictable outcome, you would not even be here right now. But God came into the middle of it all and God changed it. You know what I'm talking about? I'm looking around this room right now seeing people that God changed the outcome. And this is what Samuel did. Samuel took a stone, verse 12, and set it up between Mizpah and Shane and called its name Ebenezer. Saying thus far or up to this point or to this place right here, God has helped us. You know why you put a stone there? You do it for two reasons. You remember what he's already done, but anytime you get your back against the wall, you kind of go lean on Ebenezer and say, if he had brought me this far, I know he didn't bring me this far to leave me. He's going to carry me the rest of the way home. I'm talking to somebody in the house. Do you have any Ebenezer's in your life? Give God some praise one more time. That was an inflection point for Israel. Because remember, an inflection point is when the situation changes dramatically. You need an Ebenezer inflection point in your life. So for the rest of your life, you can look back and say, up to this far, God help me. God made a difference. Hallelujah. 
I've got a few in my life. One of those was when God saved me. Lost on drugs, messed up, life in turmoil. He reached down and the blood of Jesus turned my life around. In one night, God baptized me with the Holy Spirit. I've never been the same since then. I can take you to a little church in Lake Charles. I can show you where my Ebenezer is located. But you see, that's not the only one I've got. I've got a number of Ebenezers. I'm preaching a message that according to my doctors, I should not be preaching right now. Every time I preach a new message, that's one more than I was supposed to be able to preach 16 years ago. I'm up here today telling you here to four, the Lord has helped me. God has brought me this far. Up to this point, God has made a way where there was no way. God has helped me out. God has been in the middle of it with me. I'm sorry. I, I just, oh, Lord, have mercy on Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This week, I received a text message from Lyndon Mark Miller. I've known many years. On Tuesday, she went for her fourth annual checkup after she was diagnosed four years ago with a glioblastoma. Do you know what a glioblastoma is? I looked it up on Google. Google it. It is a very rare type of cancer and it is considered the deadliest form of cancer there is. It accounts for only one out of every 10,000 cases of cancer. You can pull it up. Look what the web doctors have to say about it. This is what they say, and I quote, it is nearly always fatal. She had a glioblastoma as large as my fist growing in her skull. And doctors thought it was all over. But the Lord... But the Lord showed up. But the Lord showed up. Somebody in this room, you're on the verge of a breakthrough. I'm talking to somebody that's watching online. You're about to get an Ebenezer. You're about to have a a, a victory that's going to mark you for as long as you live. So I'm done. Everybody stand with me. So what do you do when you've done everything you know to do and everything that is humanly possible, but you can't change your situation? Remember what I told you. God doesn't start until you come to the end of yourself. He takes over not where you quit, but where you have to end. Big difference. Amen. The first thing you do, number one, bring God into the middle of your situation. Bring God into the middle of that situation. God will make a difference for you. He is a force multiplier. How do you do that? You do what Israel did. Prepare your heart. 
Don't deceive yourself into thinking that God's going to help you just because you ask when you're not willing to change this or that others can pray for you. But if there's no consecration, that it's going to change. No, you got to prepare your heart. And this is why the scripture said, draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. And the second thing you do is do what Israel did and you pray. Now you don't have to pray five hours every day. Sometimes, you know, all it might take is a five minute prayer. You see, here's the big thing the enemy tells you and he lies to you when he says it. He expects you to go from praying zero to praying five hours a day. And he tells you, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't really see God. You I mean, he won't even pay attention. He's not even hearing the phone ring till it rings for five hours. You know, you got to go from zero to 180. That's what the devil will tell you. He's a liar. He's a liar. Just a little talk with Jesus can make it right five minutes and then later in the day five more minutes and every time you think about it just a few minutes in the presence of God and you know what you'll do you'll learn to spend your life in the presence of God now to be honest sometimes the burden of your situation might make you pray for five hours (laughs) y'all ever been in one of those kind of deals oh yeah you see somebody praying five hours, I can tell you, they, they probably got some serious things going on. Amen. Speaking of serious things going on, there is a family in this church that has prayed for hours and hours, and we've prayed with them because they had serious things going on. Y'all remember me telling you about Kobe Vondenstein, the 24-year-old man with COVID that had to have a double lung transplant and a kidney transplant? He comes home Wednesday. Wednesday. Give God some praise. Give God some praise. Give God some praise. Give God some praise. I can promise you he'll be telling his grandchildren about the inflection point that he reached in his life. Inflection point. God has given that family an Ebenezer. Am I talking to anybody else that has any Ebenezers? Can I see your hand? Has God done anything for you? And the third thing you do, Ephesians 6, 13, having done all Stand. Stand and pray. Stand and believe. Stand and pray. Stand and trust God 